got sloppy or when they allowed the enemy to come in and infiltrate their holy place. Uh, maybe they allowed the enemy to steal it. They entered into very dark periods of their journey, of their history. You see, what happened was when they didn't value their holy place, when they didn't keep it sacred, they, they bound God's hands and they didn't allow Him to do or to provide for them. God was a good God. He still loved them, but, but as a result of not protecting this sacred place, He didn't allow God to do His best in their lives. Why was the sacred? Why was this holy place so sacred? Why was it so important? Well, it represented God's presence. It represented His heart and who He was. And inside this holy place, there was only one piece of furniture. It was the Ark of the Covenant. And this Ark of the Covenant, it was a it was like a box. It was a beautiful box overlaid in gold, but it was like a box, like a coffin, if you will. And over top of that box was placed a mercy seat. It was called a mercy seat. And inside that box were three items. And these items represented who God was. The first item was the, it was a pot of manna. And this, this pot of manna represented God's provision because in the wilderness, God provided manna when they had a Need. The second item was a, two tablets of stone, and these tablets of stone were the Ten Commandments, and they represented God's righteousness and His holiness. And the third item was Aaron's rod or uh, that budded, and this was represented God's appointed leadership, His authority and His power. And, and so this, what was in this box, it represented who God was, but it also represented man. You see, in those three items... Man's character was represented. In the pot of manna, we see uh, man's ability. The Hebrew people, they complained when God gave them manna. They weren't grateful, and we, so we see an ungrateful attitude. In the tablets of stone, yes, we see God's holiness, but we see man's ability to keep that holy standard because man, the Hebrew people, they broke the Ten Commandments. And in Aaron's rod that budded, we see not just God's authority and power, but man's ability to break that, amen, because the people rebelled against Aaron. And so we see God's character, we see who man is, but then thirdly, we see in this box, we see this Ark of the Covenant, we see God's response to man's disobedience. And what was his response? His response was the mercy seat. In other words, mercy triumphing over judgment. And so this place was very important to God. It represented who he was. It represented his approach towards the Hebrew people. And he said, as long as you protect this place, as long as you keep this place where mercy triumphs over judgment, as long as you keep it hallowed and sacred and protected, he said, you allow me to do my best in your life. You allow me to protect you. You allow me to provide for you as long as you keep this place sacred. Every time the priests would go into the holy place, they would bring blood and they'd put it on the mercy seat. And in so doing, it would be another declaration that God, he has mercy that triumphs over judgment, mercy over their, over their disobedience, mercy against their, even their complaints. And as long as they did this, God protected them. You know, God's heart is still the same today. His heart then was mercy triumphing over judgment. And his heart today is still the same, mercy triumphing over judgment. There was a great king of Israel, his name was David, and he called this holy place, this sacred place, this place that, that was so heavily guarded, he called it his secret place. David said, David was that king, and in Psalm 27, he said, in the secret of his tabernacle, or this holy place, he'll hide me. Now, he wasn't, David wasn't saying that God literally put him in the secret place, because there were strict instructions, only the priests could go in. He was talking about this attitude of trusting in mercy, triumphing over judgment. And David said, in this place, he'll hide me, he'll protect me, he'll lift me high upon a rock. In other words, he'll protect me. 
The the author of Psalm 91 said, he that dwells in the secret place, speaking of this holy place. Again, it's speaking of an attitude of trusting a God that that has mercy triumphing over judgment because nobody lived in the secret place, but in the holy place. But he that dwells or, or trusts in this secret place, he'll abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I'll say of the Lord, he's my refuge, my fortress, my God, and him I will trust, and he will deliver me. And how many know the Psalms 91 goes on and lists a whole lot of benefits that come as a result of trusting in a God who values mercy over judgment. So David's secret, David said, this is my secret. He said, I trust in this, and this is my secret of strength, of power, and of, uh, that helps me overcome the enemy. This was David's secret. But you say, but Nathan, what does this have to do with my life today? You say, protect your secret place, right? What does that have to do with me? Well, the scriptures tell us that the old covenant, it was like a shadow or a picture of what we live in today. I kind of liken it to window shopping. I don't know, does anybody like to window shop in this room? I, I got to tell you, I hate window shopping. I, I was thinking about it as I was preparing this. I can't remember the last time I've been in a shopping mall. I hate shopping malls. I hate window shopping. I hate it all. And I love today's world where you can do everything online. So there, but, but I, I just detest it. But, so, but, but the old covenant was kind of like window shopping. How many know there's something a lot better than window shopping? It's called actual shopping. How many ladies would say, I like that a whole lot better? Yeah. You see, the old covenant was kind of like window shopping. You just got to look from the outside in, but you never got to feel and taste the real thing. But that's the, the old covenant was like that. It was window shopping. But today we live in the new covenant. We get to go in and enjoy the real deal. Jesus Christ is the fulfillment of everything we see in the Old Covenant. No more window shopping. We get to enjoy the real deal. And so in the Old Testament, this secret place or this, this holy of holies, it was, you know, that we no longer have this physical place. That was window shopping. Today, we've got the real deal. And today, we all have a holy place. You have a sacred place. You have a secret place. Only unlike the Old Covenant where, where it was a physical place, your secret, your holy place, it now dwells on the inside of you. It's in you. You have a secret place, a sacred place on the inside. It's, it's an inner sanctuary. Paul puts it this way in 1 Corinthians 3. He says, don't you know that you are a temple? In the Old, Old Testament, they had a physical temple, but now you're the temple. I'm the temple. We are the temple where his presence dwells. And the point is that just like in the old covenant, where God said, protect it, guard this secret place, guard this holy of holies, keep it sacred, don't let everything in. God says the same to us today. He says, don't allow every junk, don't allow the enemy into this sacred place. Proverbs 4 says, guard your heart. That heart speaks of that inner sanctuary. Guard your heart more than anything else, because the source of your life flows from it. That heart, that inner man, it speaks of our holy place, that secret place where we are to live from. And like the Hebrew people, when we protect our secret place, when we protect that holy of holies within us, we allow God to do his best in our life. But when we allow the enemy to come in and to infiltrate and to to steal that revelation of mercy triumphing over judgment away, it's almost like we bind the hands of God and don't allow Him to do His best in our life. That's why Paul said in Romans chapter 5, he said, those who are receiving, a continuous receiving, the, the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness, they'll reign in life. There's a continual receiving. How do we do that? Through protecting the secret place, that place with the knowledge of mercy triumphing over judgment. 
exist. You see, in the, in the, in the Old Testament, in the Old Covenant, the Hebrew people, their enemy were people like the Philistines and the Ammonites and a whole lot of other ites. Your enemy, look at you, your enemy is not your, the ite sitting next to you. Breathe a sigh of relief. Your enemy is not sitting next to you. The scriptures say in Ephesians 6, we don't fight against flesh and blood. So what are our enemies now that we are to guard ourselves from? Well, those enemies are fear, offense, bitterness, rejection, hurt. And can I tell you, Jesus never promised that we wouldn't face these enemies. In fact, he said quite the opposite. He said, you will face many afflictions and trials. In other words, you're going to face a whole lot of enemies. But be of good cheer, because I've overcome. You see, we will have it happening all around us. The enemy might surround us, and maybe the enemy is surrounding you today, the voice of fear or offense or rejection. But we don't have to allow it into our secret place. Like the holy place in the old covenant, this is a place where God's mercy triumphing over judgment is meant to reign. It's meant to be a sacred place that we protect. It's the place that we live from. Proverbs 23, for as a man thinks or believes in his heart, that secret place, so is he. And my point today in protect your secret place is don't allow the contaminations into this secret place. Above all, God's saying protect it, protect it, protect it. Why? Because when we protect it, we allow God to do his best. In our lives. Say it with me. Say, protect your secret place. Look at your neighbor and smile at them. Make sure you're smiling at them. I don't want any frowns. Say, protect your secret place. You see, if we keep allowing all the junk into our secret place, the result is it poisons our lives. You know, I heard a story of a village, and everybody was getting sick in that village. They couldn't figure out why is everybody getting sick. Maybe it's a curse. Maybe it's this or that. They finally discovered that the well that everybody drank from was poisoned or contaminated. It wasn't poisoned on purpose, but it was contaminated. And as a result of that well being contaminated, everyone's lives were contaminated. You see, everything in our lives starts from our secret place. And if our secret place is contaminated, it will contaminate all the areas of our lives. You know, I heard a story of a man, true story. Dr. Betty actually pointed me to it this week. She gives me good material. But it was of a man, so it's a true story. You can ask her afterwards if it's a true story. But no one in this church, so don't be trying to figure out if it's someone down your aisle. It's not. But this man suffered from rejection as a young man. Suffered from rejection. And as a result, uh, you know, he was rejected by his peers and all that. And he allowed this rejection to get into his heart. He, He had a rejection complex. And as a result, it affected how he lived his life. When anybody would give him even the slightest alternative opinion, and I'm not talking about correction, I'm talking about an alternative opinion. How many know there's a lot of alternative opinions in every relationship, right? He would get offended. He would shut down, he would close up, he would get angry. The person wasn't correcting, wasn't angry, they were just giving, you know, it's a, and, and what, what happened was he allowed the rejection into his secret place. And it affected his marriage. You know, he, he would describe how that, <coughs> for example, when, you know, him and his wife, let's take, an, they, were, they were planning where they'd go out to eat for dinner on whatever, on a Friday night. He would suggest where he would want to go. Man, like every good wife, she might suggest where she wants to go. How many know that's just part of life? Well, he would get offended. He took that as a rejection, and as a result, he'd shut down, the night was ruined. You know, that affects your marriage. And, and... 
he later came to discover that it was affecting his career as well. Because he realized that no one would give him any advice. Because when they gave him help or advice, he'd take it as an offense. And so they just figured out, you know what, it's not worth the drama. We're not helping this guy out. So he wasn't able to progress. Because he allowed this rejection into his secret place. And it was contaminating his life. No one was able to tell him the truth, and so he couldn't improve. He couldn't. How many of you know we all need outside input and advice in our lives to improve? I know I do. I wouldn't be here today if it wasn't for the great advice that I've received from so many people, not to mention Pastor Peter right here in the front. But And I keep welcoming that. In fact, I seek it out. We need it. But if we allow rejection to come into our secret place, we can't handle it. We get offended. We, we think people are against us. You know, newsflash, I've come to determine most people aren't against me or against you. We're all too busy with our own lives to be against someone else to begin with. But if we've allowed rejection into our secret place, it contaminates how everything that we see. That's why I say protect your secret place. Say it again, protect your secret place. In the scriptures, there was a man named Joseph. He was betrayed by his family. And I'm not saying that we never face rejection. Joseph faced rejection. He was sold by his family into slavery. And in slavery, he, it didn't go so well. He was rejected again, and it just kept going on. And listen, if anyone had the right to be rejected, it was Joseph. He had the right to be angry, bitter, offended. He absolutely did. He was mistreated. But he didn't let what was happening around him to get on the inside. Oh, sure, he had the feelings. I'm sure he did. He had the feelings of loneliness, the feelings of rejection. He probably he felt you know, bitter at times. I'm sure he felt it, but he made the choice. I'm not going to dwell on it. I'm not going to let it get on the inside. I'm not going to keep reliving it. He kept his inner sanctuary clean. And as a result, he allowed God not just to deliver him, but to promote him. Isn't that what we want in our lives? God to deliver us and to promote us. You see, if we, if, if we want to handle all the problems in our lives, God will let us. But if we take a step back and say, God, I'm not bringing this close. I'm choosing to trust you. I'm going to let you go to work on my behalf. I'm keeping this out of my secret place. We allow God to go to work in our life. Our part is simply to run our race. I'm not saying we don't do anything. We run our race. We've got a great commission. We've got a lot to do in this life. We run our race focused on our goals. But you see, I've learned in life, you know, and it's, maybe it hasn't been the longest of life, but I've learned very quickly that if I always think the other person that I'm dealing with is wrong, I'm blinded to my own failure in that relationship. And I've learned that when I am closed to my own participation in that problem, I'm not going to learn from my own mistakes. And if I don't learn from my own mistakes, I'm never going to improve and be the best person that God called me to be. How many of you know, you're here today, I believe, you're on a church on a Sunday because you want to be the best person that God called you to be. If we're going to grow, we have to be open to learning from our own mistakes. It starts by seeing them. You know, I've come to understand, and you'll laugh at me, I know it's just a, it's just a foregone conclusion, but I'm not always right. My opinion is not the last word on every matter that happens to come across my life. In fact, newsflash, I say it with all respect, but yours isn't either. I'm asking us to take the approach, God, I let you settle the matter. 
Job said in, in chapter 8, he said, your enemies will be clothed in shame. In other words, I'm not always trying to prove myself right, but I'm trusting God. He's going to vindicate me. Amen? Protecting my secret place. It starts by protecting that secret place. You see, we all face negative things that come across our path. We all, we're not going to get away from it. And I say it with respect, but there is a reason why some believers, they walk in peace and others don't. And it's not the size, I say it with all respect, but it's not the size of the problems that we face that one believer is at peace and the other isn't. See, I've discovered talking to people and just looking at my own self, that we all see our problems as the biggest problem. <laughs> I see my problems as the biggest and you see yours because we face it every day. It's only natural. Not, it's, not a, it's natural. But I've concluded that one person walking in peace and another not is not related to the size of the problem, but to the protecting the secret place. One person has allowed the rejection, the hurt, the bitterness, the shame to come into the secret place, but the other has said, I'm going to guard it. I'm going to protect it. I know mercy triumphs over judgment. I know God vindicates. I know he protects. I'm protecting my secret place. Let's be honest. I'm going to be honest this morning. Feelings will come. I'm not saying that we will not have the feelings. We will be, we will have the, you can't stop the feelings from coming. We were created emotional beings. God made you emotional. Look at your neighbor and say you're an emotional being. It's not reality to say you're never going to have the feeling of rejection. It's not reality to say you're never going to feel hurt. You're never going to feel shame. You're never going to feel fear. That's not reality. You know, Paul said in Ephesians 4, he said, be angry but don't sin. You know, I get angry. I lost my cool recently. I had to apologize to somebody and say, you know, I really lost it. I lost my cool. I apologize. We face the feelings. What the message that I'm speaking today is don't allow it to set up camp and to live in your secret place. You're going to feel the hurt, the pain. You know, I, can't, I can't say that over, you know, Megan and I last year, thir after 13 and a half years of marriage, we had a baby. I can't say that over those 13 and a half years of trying to have a baby, you know, getting prayed for, getting doctors, doing everything the doctors said to do, and, uh, you know, and, uh, you know, miscarriage, several miscarriages. I can't say that I never felt hurt, never felt pain, never felt lonely. The feelings come. But we have a choice. Are we going to let it erect our walls and our home and set up camp in our secret place? And at some point, we have to put our foot down and say, no, I, I, it's not meant to live here. This is a sacred place. This is the place where knowledge of God's mercy triumphing over judgment must live. It doesn't belong in my secret place. It's to be a hallowed place. I, I must be very selective. You know, in the Old Covenant, in the Old Testament, th there was a time during the prophet Ezekiel. And the, and the Hebrew people, had, they had allowed their secret place to ta be taken captive. The ark had been gone, had been taken captive. The people, the people had been taken captive by Babylonians. And they were, they, it was one of the lowest points of their history. And the scriptures say they committed wicked abominations. Just say that's, you know, like, uh, like uh, um, what's her name? Uh, sorry. Yuck, yuck. Who's that lady, Pastor Peter, that says yuck, yuck? I saw her on TV the other day. You know, Marilyn Hickey, that's right. You know, Marilyn Hickey, she says yuck, yuck. So, you know, wicked abominations, say it with me, yuck, yuck. <laughs> but you see, the wicked abominations started by not protecting their secret place. 
So God spoke to the prophet Ezekiel in the midst of this captivity, in the midst of the wicked abominations. And he said in Ezekiel 9, he said, The Lord called to the man clothed in linen, and the Lord said to him, Pass through the city, through Jerusalem. Put a mark on the foreheads of the men who sighed and groaned over the abominations that are committed in it. Notice, the man is a picture of Jesus. The linen is a picture of the righteousness of the believer. And the mark on the forehead is an understanding or a mind that has been stamped by the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus who became sin for us that we might be righteous. Mercy triumphing over judgment. And the result of this prophetic picture was that the people were set free out of captivity and their wicked abominations, they gained victory over them. You see, I've discovered... That when I am angry, worried, stressed out, feeling resentful, hurt, in other words, allowing my secret place to be infiltrated, I have discovered that I am far more prone to commit sin, quote-unquote sin, the wicked abominations, than when my heart is overwhelmed by God's love. Have you ever experienced that? When your heart is overwhelmed by God's love, protection, and provision, you're far less prone to commit the quote-unquote sin. But when our secret place has been infiltrated by the hurt, the pain, the the rejection, we're far more prone. For example, I'm feeling worried over finances. I am far more prone to live greedy, which by the way is one of the seven deadly sins. I'm far more prone to live greedy than if my heart is filled with the provision and abundance of Jesus Christ. If, if, If I'm feeling hurt over what somebody said, I'm far more prone to wrath or anger because I've allowed hurt into my heart. Or if if I'm feeling hard done by, I'm far more prone to live envious of my neighbor. Because after all, I don't feel what I have is good enough. How many know this starts with a secret place that hasn't been protected? That's why my message today is protect your secret place. Say it one more time. Say, protect your secret place. We've got to be vigilant. Why? Because the enemy is very uh, persuasive. Remember, your enemy is not flesh and blood. Your enemy is the, is the hurt, the pain, the shame, the rejection, the, 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 the offense, the bitterness. Our enemies are very persuasive and persistent. I don't know if you've ever, you know, and they're very tricky. Very tricky. For example, take offense and rejection. You know, they come with language like, you have the right to be offended. You have the right to feel rejected. Maybe you do. You have the right to be depressed. Maybe you do. Maybe I do too. But even if it is true, for your sake, it has no place in your secret place. Because when we don't protect our secret place, it's like we say to God, hands off, God. I'm handling that battle. This secret place is to be a place that's reserved for the presence of God. That presence looks like Romans 4, 17, the kingdom of God. His presence is righteousness, peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. And where is it? Luke 17, in you. In you. This secret place, its purpose is meant to be a place where peace reigns. The reality is, is that when we we show God, we trust him and we allow peace to reign in our hearts. Whatever, we, whatever we're putting in, on, a, on our hearts is what we put on the throne of our lives. You know, it's not too late 
You say, well, Nathan, I look at my life and I, I see how I've allowed the, the hurt, the rejection, the offense into my secret place. What do I do now? Well, here's the good news. It's not too late. You and you alone can t control the door to your secret place. Nobody else controls the door. And if you allow him, by his grace, to help you to grow in grace, to go strong, you grow in the ability to say no when those feelings come knocking on the, the door of, that secret, of your secret place. You see, I, I promise you, the feelings will never stop coming. But your ability to say no will get better. It's called growing in grace, growing in strength, and it gets easier. Look at your neighbor and say, it gets easier. But I'll say it again because sometimes we get false hopes. The feelings won't stop coming. I am tempted, I am tempted to feel offended every week. Newsflash. So are you. Don't look at me condemning, come on now. To feel rejected, fearful over finances, fearful over the doctor's report. We all have the temptation. All of us do, and it's not going to stop. But what can change is we grow in grace and grow strong to be able to put our foot down and say, no, I'm protecting my secret place. Enemy, you're not getting in with those lies. I'm tired of your tricks. Stay out. Serve the enemy eviction notice. How do we know who's on the throne of our secret place? When we're at peace in the midst of a storm, we know that God's mercy is on the throne of our secret place. It's an inner confidence that you are my healer, you are my way maker, you are my provider, you're my vindicator. In the midst of a storm, whatever we have on the throne of our secret place, that's what we worship. And the same as the Hebrew people, whatever, you know, when they allowed their circumstances to, to infiltrate their secret place, their lives went into defeat. But when they simply protected the secret place, they lived in victory. God provided for them, protected them. Psalm 98, the psalmist says, let God arise. God, newsflash, God has arisen. But this verse says, let him arise in your secret place. Where the offense has reigned, let God arise. Where the fear that's kept you up at night, it rained. Let God arise. Let the understanding of his vindication, of his mercy triumphing over judgment, let that be the thought that you dwell on. In the face of financial challenge, dwelling on his, his provision. You see, Paul the Apostle, and I love Paul the Apostle because, you know, he's so much like us. He faced a lot of battles, a lot of challenges. But he got to a place where he said in Acts 20, 24, he said, none of these things move me. They don't move me. He said, I, you know, I got the challenges. I have the people betraying me. I have the, you know, I have the, I have the shipwreck. I have the, the persecution. But they don't move me. And if it's possible for him, it's possible. How I many know it's possible for us? It's possible for us to get to the place where the circumstances don't move us. Where the offense doesn't move us. Where the rejection doesn't move us. How? By protecting our secret place. See, that's why it's important to know the scriptures. Because within the scriptures, we discover his promises. That's why I love that Bear is doing that uh, adult Bible study in November. 
the war is over. Because when the enemy comes with his tricky voice or her, with the tricky voice of offense and rejection, you gotta know how to defend it, how to keep the door shut. You're gonna go bankrupt. No, God is my provider. But you gotta know it. We gotta know what his promise says to protect our secret place. The enemy's tricky. But how many know we got a stronger God who can give defense, who can give you the word of defense in the right moment? You know, our lives, and I'm just about done, are like a ship on the ocean. You know, you can be out in the middle of the sea on a boat. You can't see land anywhere on the horizon. The waves, and how many know on the, on the ocean, they can be big waves, big swells, meters high. It can be dark. Let me know the ocean in the middle of the ocean. It's very dark. Churning all around. A storm might even arise. But how many know that as long as the water stays on the outside of that ship, that ship ain't sinking. In the same way, our lives are like that ship. You may have storms all around you. Dark, dirty waves. Looks like there's no hope in sight. But as long as we keep the circumstances on the outside of our secret place, you cannot be sunk. How? By protecting, say it with me, protect your secret place. You can't stop. I can't stop the storm of life from coming. You may walk out of here today and someone might offend you. I can't stop that. You can't stop that. Our life. But you can protect your secret place. Only you can do that. You see, Joseph, he faced serious rejection, hurts, but he didn't allow it to get on the inside. He, and he allowed God to protect him and to provide for him. Amen? There's people here in this room right now, you've been facing a challenge and a battle. God's saying, evict, give an eviction notice today to that rejection, to that offense. Don't allow it in. Let me fight your battles for you, God is saying. And I believe that's a word for somebody here in this room right now. God is here. Something's happening right now. Like Job. I read very quickly the passage from Job, Job 8. But Job, you know, to Job, it didn't. Things didn't make sense. It didn't make sense to me for 13 and a half years why we couldn't have a baby. It didn't make sense. And maybe you're in that phase. It doesn't make sense. But Job, Job remembered that God is a God of justice. He makes my wrongs right. And in the middle when things don't make sense, when the enemy tries to bring you away from the faith because it doesn't make sense, Protect your secret place. Put his promise in your heart and don't let it go. I'm asking today, and I'm done preaching, be careful what you allow into your secret place. Rejection, bitterness, offense, self-pity, fear, they have no place in our secret place. Let's not be like the Hebrew people and learn the hard way. God was merciful they let the secret place get taken captive. He kept bringing them back, and God will do the same. We could fall seven times, seven times, seven times, seven, and God will still have mercy and grace. But I'd rather just learn. Protect the secret place. Protect the secret place. It doesn't mean you have to be perfect in action. 
That's not at all. Paul said to the church in Corinth, you are the temple. They were a bunch of, they weren't living so good. It has to do with simply the attitude of the heart. I'm protecting it from these negative things that try to steal my peace and steal my joy. It's making a decision, God, by your grace, I'm going to live at peace in the midst of this storm. And if you believe that today, and I'm done preaching, give the Lord Jesus a big shout of thanks. Come on, church.